you know, it's always the exceptional people, the exceptional circumstances that make you uh, not see things clearly, I think. So someone will have a slow start and then they'll, they'll be really successful. And it's like, oh, see, everyone can do that. No, no, no. no they just person. did that. That's not rare. So our VP, who's really, really smart, shout out Pat, um, he basically has done all sorts of mathematical equations and looked mathematically over decades. Right. How have people done it? So we go, if someone's not at this point, they're not going to win. And unless there's this type of an exception, it's not possible. So right. let's stop them. And so we've brought our minimum targets up more and more and more over the years. And what it does is, is we have less bad experiences. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hi, leaders. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. I'm really excited about bringing this really special podcast. Mitchell Beinacker is and has been running an amazing podcast. I highly recommend it's called The Accidental Entrepreneur, where he interviews entrepreneurs and with just really great questions and inquisitiveness and uh, a real understanding of entrepreneurialism and the law inquires and learns and has fantastic conversations. So we had a conversation for his podcast, and I just felt that it would be great for our podcast. I know I have been the one on the Leaders Tomorrow asking the questions and discovering about our alumni and district managers and unique guests and operators of our program. And so here, you can learn a whole lot more about my past, my history with the program, and a bunch of the lessons that Mitch teases out in this really, I think, amazing discussion and conversation. I know you're going to enjoy it. And you know what we're up to is finding amazing young entrepreneurs and leaders. So if you know of amazing leaders, please send them my way. You could write me an email, chris at leaderspodcast.ca. You could send them to our website, studentworks.com, share this podcast with them, or you could have them go to leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Thanks so much. Have a fantastic day. And I hope you love this podcast. Have a fantastic one. So today's going to be a unique episode. We're kind of talking about what you do and what I do from an advisory standpoint. And yeah all the work that we're both doing to help entrepreneurs, in your case, young you know, college students, which yeah. I think is fantastic. So just as a little intro, so you and I met, we spoke, and then I looked at your website. So your website's called Student Works. Yes, studentworks.com. Right, yep. and it's basically a painting contractor's business for kids, but it could be anything. So you're teaching these young kids, and I say young, they're in college, yes. most of them, right? Yes, exactly. So maybe some high school. I mean, you're really teaching them you're like the Mr. Miyagi of uh, <laughs> entrepreneurialism. You're teaching them to wax on and wax off, and they don't realize that they're learning all these skills and running their business in with fundamentals that some of us take an entire lifetime to learn. So I, I'd like to know, let's go backwards a little bit from my standpoint, and we can talk sure. all about me later, but 
where did all this come from in terms of how did it develop? And then why had you developed the business concept and start working with the kids? Yeah, no, we really short circuit and really what my, my VP says, you know, a lot of people sort of have this long, long, you know, consistent road to success. Now, a lot of people don't get there. And he says, come jump with us and climb the backside of the cliff. You yeah. know, <laughs> you know, just get there. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how you mentor with people, right? Get there fast. And we've got safety ropes and things like that for people to sort of get up there, you know, safely and successfully and, and consistently. Uh, but I bumped into, you know, what I call one of the co-founders of our business, Helmet Beeman, in 1984. I ran an orientation at St. Mike's University of Toronto campus with his girlfriend at the time now wife and they're both still really great friends and just amazing people so i bumped into his girlfriend and then we became friends through this orientation process and he said hey i'm running this business at the time it was a six hundred and fifty thousand dollar business and he okay. said we're starting to scale it with you know operators and it really is kind of a franchise concept, kind of, but yeah. it's not a franchise because there's no real investment or there's a much smaller investment and the company itself doesn't take any money in advance. So I got started during my years, my summers. So that's more than 35 years ago. 35 years ago. Yeah, yes. A long time. So, okay. you know, I, I was the 10th owner operator of the business. Um, so, so there was, there was like one and one and then five the year before and then okay. i jumped on into that chasm and it really started to grow and expand we ended up being a, a profit 100 one of the fastest growing companies in canada uh, over over those first five years we expanded through the U u.s and it was a painting contractor at the time it was a painting contractor right but it wasn't called student works right now it originally was called Student Painters. We called it, we changed it to Student Works and we we go by the Student Works Management Program because that's really the secret sauce is we're a management program. Although right. ultimately what we deliver is painting and window cleaning services to our customers. Right. But it could be anything. Yes, that's exactly, it totally could be. And in the future, there may be other services that we'll provide as we continue to get better and better at this. But I did every role in the business in terms of an operator. And then the next role we have, uh, Mitch, is a district manager. So that they go out onto campuses and they recruit, you know, other entrepreneurial-minded, leader-minded students. And then on top of that, well, at this level, there's a VP, but it, at different right. levels, I was the VP. And then eventually, I, I got the opportunity to buy in and become a partner. Okay. So when you met him 35 years ago, he was doing this, like that was his model was to find students, to teach yes. them business skills yes. and to do it through the painting business. 100%. Yeah. So, so that's, that's what it was. And, and there was a company years ago that existed called college pro, and they actually were the first that, that I know of in the industry that started in 1971. Okay. And their business, uh, got really large at over the years, and they exited the business a, about a, a year ago, so they no longer exist in the college pro painting space. Okay, but uh, he actually had been very successful in that business and brought just the thinking and the mindsets and the and the the the, the concept of the business. And then over time, our business became very very different and candidly just much much better than what they were running. Uh, they got, they got really big in a different area of the business. Okay. 
the the their business got bought by a, a venture capitalist and and just went on to really really a bunch of great success in other areas. Okay. And how, and you, you're, you said there's multiple partners or now you own the business or what's the. Yeah. So in, in, in 1989, I bought in and then basically the business continued to scale and grow. And in the early nineties, there started to be some struggles. Some of the expansions in the U S didn't go well. If I think back on it, it was like, we just thought we were way smarter than we were. There's a lot of youth. There's <laughs> there's time. there's a lesson. A lot of right. a lot of you know thought we were way smarter and expanded the territories without really, in hindsight, a really good business plan. Without you know proper financing in place, just assuming that we're just going to keep ripping, right. ripping it, and 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 just growing hand over fist and profitably. And all of a sudden, had some real setback. And then there was a big change in legislation in Canada, which they brought in this thing called the GST, a goods and services tax, okay. which really, along with, uh, it's one of those things I always love to tell our young leaders is, is there's going to be black swan events in your career in, it, across the economy. And, and through the late 80s, or early 90s, unemployment jumped up to nine 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 9%. And I remember talking to a, a vice president of TD Bank. He was a good friend of my father's. And he said, you know, Chris, we have enough commercial building in Canada for the next 10 years. We've totally overbuilt that section. Right. And so that had a major impact on the residential painting business because a lot of the commercial focus in Canada started focus residentially. And it's, it just, the, the business got and was much more challenging to run our averages went down. And Mitch, one of the biggest things we did was we made a mistake in how we were strategizing the businesses. We used to have 120 operators in Ontario and okay. we kept recruiting that 120, but we'd recruit later and later into the season. So we would recruit into March and then we'd start them then. And it became a later on we changed that strategy and we only recruit now in the fall and that's one of the biggest reasons why we our averages have grown so much over the years is we spend all of january february march april just focused on our 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 training and support of yeah, our operators getting them going that's exactly it so you're only in canada now we're only in eastern canada so from windsor to thunder bay to st johns newfoundland and halifax those you know everything in between Okay, so um, I think that it's an interesting model because not only does it, it's it good for your business, but you're teaching kids how to run a business. So maybe we can go through what you do. You know, you get introduced to some. Oh, actually, is there like a life cycle for the for the operator? I mean, does he? Yes. Like he he graduates out of the program and out of college, and then he goes on to his career. Is that typical? Of well, yeah. One of the things that we've we've done is we had an independent uh, consulting firm uh, do a uh, a test or or a business case around our students, and ninety nine percent of them get a a job that they're really satisfied with within six months. You know, and, and 97 it graduate, 97% get it within three months. And that's usually because they go on a trip, <laughs> you know, 40% become C-level or director level in a business. Um, I think right. it's, no, I th within five years, 40% earn over $100,000 within, within five years. So we're really able to show the success of our program. One of the other things that we, we've done, Mitch, is we've tracked our millionaires. 
about 25 years ago, probably more, I set a goal to create or co-create a thousand millionaires and we've started tracking it. Right now, our website says 161, but since that we've, we've tracked another 10 and I know there's more out there. Right. And it's, it's, it's 171 and it's something that we take a lot of pride in and it really gives really the, the entire organization a lot of excitement and motivation, but there's no income from that. It's right. not like there's a there's there's a business no, model that captures feel that. good type of a absolutely thing. absolutely. So when these kids go into the program, the that's why you're recruiting more, right? Because you got some kids that are graduating out and going yes onto their thing. But I can imagine that on a resume showing that you made you know you were doing 120 150 thousand dollars of business in the summer running a painting business and know how to deal with employees and books and marketing and all that type of stuff's got to be. I mean, if I learned that when I was in college, I'd be a different person now. Probably wouldn't be practicing law between. <laughs> <laughs> but even even though, Mitch, you know as well in law, those same skill sets are what make you successful in law. I can close business. I can interact with clients. I can solve problems. All right. those sort of, sort of skills, like a, a, a law career is really important, uh, having those skill sets. Yeah, but the skills that I've developed have taken me I'm 53. I get a lot, 30 years to develop. Yes. Maybe not yeah. 30 years. I mean, I didn't just yes. develop them now, but 20 right. years of doing it on your own, like you said, of trying things and failing and hopefully finding the right mentors. But you're talking about a, a structured program that takes kids through almost uh, an entrepreneurial academy. Yes. That, yeah. right? That gets them up and running. Yeah. And it is an entrepreneurial academy. That's exactly what it is. is so, you know, just to dig in, Mitch, so yeah, your listeners and my leaders understand is, is, is first of all, we start recruiting in the summer. So we've already had uh, 50 referrals from our program this past year. We get 50%. Uh, this year, we had a, we call it a COVID bump. It actually it, it assisted our business uh, once we were able to work, right. uh, but we have all sorts of operators more than ever want to come back. So we have. Uh, 50 this year, it'll be 110 of our operators returning. And then we've already had 50 referrals. And now we're back on, on campuses through networking, through social media, through all sorts of different methodology, trying to identify those people who really want to be leaders. Cause it really is a unique person who wants to work that hard. I, right. I want to work, you know, 20 to 25 hours a week around my university, you know, activities. And, and, and I want to work, put in a, you know, most of my weekends through the, through that fall season or sorry, the winter season, because we get started, we do all of our recruiting uh, up until December 1st, we have an orientation and then we basically take the, you know, season off the, the December season off. And then we get started in January, the first and second weekends, we run big drinks. And people were teaching people how to market in the snow and go do estimates in the snow. And there's three focuses of the preseason. How do I recruit my team? How do I market business? How do I sell business? And doing that on that 20 to 25 hour week schedule. So you're going, well, I guess with coronavirus, a little bit more difficult, but you would go on campus where you'd make presentations and have Yes, and, and seminars, I guess. So to speak. Networking. We're using we're using social media more and more now. Uh, right. We also have a really great partnership with the Student Life Network. They don't exist in the United States, but it's a way of reaching 
the students and, and, and we're doing our best to reach more and more students over the internet. But it's, it's difficult to reach people because they don't really know they want to be reached. The reality is, is people aren't looking for this type of opportunity because they don't know this type of opportunity actually exists. What do you right. mean? You could actually learn how to run a business. I could actually be coached and trained. How's that possible? Right. And right. one of the biggest challenges that we have is that people think it's too good to be true. You know, it's like, how's that possible? I remember one of our, well, he's actually a, uh, now doing really well in law in, in Ottawa, but he graduated at the top of his class at Western and did four years with us. And when he graduated, he was on the Dean's list all four years. He bought a, paid for his school, bought an income property, went to law school. And he said, no one would believe you, Chris, if, if, if that, that's what, what people thought was possible. And right, it's right. completely possible. That's what happens in our program. Right. Well, it has to do with the time you put in and your work ethic and what yes. you're willing to follow what you tell them to do, right? And as well, you know, uh, the, the person I'm talking about is Scott Tromblay. Shout out Scott is they're exceptional people. They're right. smart. They're hardworking. They're committed. They're coachable. Exactly. So you must have a pretty rigorous application process or onboarding because you want to weed out the kids that are really not going to take it seriously, really not yes. with the time. And it's hard work, right? Mm-hmm. You're probably trying to convince them more to say no than say yes. 100%. So one of the big processes that we have is, first of all, we tell them how hard it's going to be. So, right. you know, like this is this is how many hours you can do. And if you don't put this many hours, you won't win so that there's no sense in putting this many hours in because the only way to win here is to push right through and then you win at the end. You can't pull halfway and sort of win. It, you, you're not getting paid along the way. You're, you earn money. You earn profit at the end. And so we, we try to share what it is. Another big thing that we do is like the best recruiting pro programs, uh, top grading, um, Jeffrey Smart uh, teaches is what you're trying to identify is in the past behavior that people have, what have they done that prove that they've done things that are exceptional? They've done things that are a lot of hard work. They've done things that are a big commitment. So past behavior is the best predictor of future behavior. This is the interview process, basically. The interview right? process, that's right, and sort of okay. seeing where, where they are. And then another thing that we do is we, we use a tool called Predictive Index. And so it's, it, so it's, it's tracking their personality uh, to identify you know, who will more naturally do this, who, who has the assertiveness or the extrovertedness or right. the driving skills or the driving personality to really do well in the program. I don't think in college I would have passed your rigorous. <laughs> I don't think I would have. I think I was more of an introvert in those days. I wasn't a networker. I didn't know a lot okay. of sales. I, yeah, I mean, I somebody maybe could have taken me under their wing, but I, I think it's hard. It's probably a hard program to get into, right? I mean, it's not. You're not going to find every kid that. Well, when I was younger and not as, uh, well, I was going to say smart, but really not as experienced to see that, I used to think that. I could make anybody successful in the program. Right, and, and that's I, what and we it, all try to do. I try yeah. to do that too. But you also have an obligation to the health and success of the company on behalf of all the other yeah. people that are involved, right? 100%. And it, I found that, no, it, it doesn't work. We need to you know, recruit this level of person. Then the other thing we do, Mitch, is, is we 
we track their success. We give them lots of coaching, weekly coaching sessions, lots of training, lots of systems here, listen to the recording, lots of improvements. Like we have people who come in and are introverted and they have other, other track records of success. So we go, okay, this is what we're going to do. Let's practice. Let's role play. Let's get comfortable. Let's break down those right, barriers. They have other, other things that you see that are indicators that make you interested. Yes, yeah. 100% that we feel. And But the biggest thing about all those things are, my father was a very successful lawyer. I think, as I mentioned here in our conversation, right. he was an introvert, but he goes, hey, I, I became a fake social over time. I, I can do the social stuff. Yeah, well, that's what you do in court. <laughs> that's right. I, I learned how to do that. And so it's like, if you have the need and the desire, then you can go do it. So we coach those those strategies moving forward. Right. I mean, a lot of that is also just getting past the first few times, like yes. realizing that it's not as daunting as you think it is if you have the other elements that you're looking for, you know? Well, one of the things I always love to, to have people identify is if you really think about it, we're afraid of people. Like literally, and that's our yeah, reptilian- We're afraid of a lot of things in our life. Yeah, we- absolutely. <laughs> We're afraid of interactions with people. We're afraid to go up and say, hey, can I paint your house? We're afraid to ask those kind of questions because we're, yeah, well, I mean, this is the way we're raised, right? Well, but this is what I believe is, I think it's kind of like, you know, millennia, like it's it's ingrained into us. You don't want to stand out in the pack. The right. people who stand out in the pack are the weak and they get, they get picked off the pack. Right. right. Like, you know, just in, if yeah. you think about those yeah, hunting, bullied, you get, you show up on Instagram and you're like, oh crap, I don't want them to see but that. But this was thousands and tens of thousands of years. That's what's in our system. We don't want to stand out because we're going to get attacked. But right. in fact, there's nothing to get attacked. You're just going to knock on someone's door and say, hi, how are you? You know, I'm a local university right. student. I go to Queens or U of T or whatever. Are, are you interested in any painting services? And, right. and so having a conversation with people and then pretty soon you recognize, oh, that's hey, not so bad. That's not so bad. Not yeah. only that, you got a little bit of an advantage. You probably, I don't know if you tell the kids this, but the fact that it's a student knocking on your door, most people are not going to slam the door in their face. 100%. Right. Yes. If it was yes. an older person, you know, our yeah. age, it'd be like, yeah, get a life, you know. <laughs> but in terms of the kids, they're going to give, they are, they're going to give them more consideration. We're really, really served by the nature of, of people wanting to help out students. So they get it. Oh, here's a student. Like it's, 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 there's no question that it's a community builder, right? Oh, I, like this program supports that local entrepreneur, but then also five to 10 students who are going to work for that student. Right. So you almost feel good about hiring them to paint. hundred percent. Yeah. That, so it's, it's a good sales pitch. Exactly. Yes. And yes. we use it. So, you know, I'm very big. So I specialize in writing all the agreements that people use to run their business, right? Whether yes. it's startups, operating agreements, client agreements, customer contracts, all that type of stuff. But I'm very big on business planning, writing a business plan. It doesn't have to yes. be charts and graphs and 100 pages, but it's got to be some sort of a working document. So, But your business, the kids aren't starting from scratch and they're not creating their own businesses. Like They're not think on, thinking of the idea. Right. So when they come into your world, what do they have to do? Like, What kind of a plan do they have to put together? Great question. So, so you're right. There's so many things already set. We've got a, it, a lot of times an existing Facebook account that they'll take over, or they've got a, the student works website. It's already built. So we have what we call a max launch and it's every district manager sits down with their operators. One of the things that they do is they, they go through their values. What values do you have? Because one of the things is, first of all, a lot of times people really haven't thought about their values. Especially that age. 
Yeah. And so yeah. it's like understanding, well, how do I want, what are my values? And then one of the things, obviously we, we look to do is run the business on the basis of their values yeah. so that there there's alignment. And then what we, we, we look to do is get their, what are their goals and why do they want to achieve those goals? What are their three-year goals? What are their 20-year goals? So that again, there's a real alignment for their future. Yeah in the, in the program. And then we, we, we work on, and again, it's not just business goals because we have to uh, school goals, extracurricular goals. Right. So that looking at their life as a whole, you know, how am I going to, you know, get my workouts in or, you know, see mom and dad when I said, or whatever, whatever is important to them. Right. You know, Oh, I, I go to church every Sunday morning. Okay, great. They go to church every Sunday morning. So it's, it's whatever their schedule is. And then we, Block out and really teach them how to really excel with a schedule. Because I think that's something that if you really look at high performing people, they're really great at time planning their work right. and working their plan. Yeah. Time management. They're good at that. So, and then what we do is, is we start to track, well, if you want to do a hundred thousand dollars worth of business, how many estimates would you need to do on January 31st? Right. It like literally it, it sort of walks back. And we, we, we just walk them through every week. This is the type of activity you're going to need to put in. Right. So, and by the way, that's another success factor that we found in the business, Mitch, is, is that over the years, you know, it's always the exceptional people, the exceptional circumstances that make you uh, not see things clearly, I think. Right. Because it skews your vision of or, or what's possible. You're like, oh, everyone can do that. And that's not true. So someone will, someone will have a slow start and then they'll, they'll be really successful. And it's like, oh, see, everyone can do that. No, no, no. no they just person, did that. Right. That's not, that's not rare. So our VP, who's really, really smart, shout out Pat. Um, he basically has done all sorts of mathematical equations and looked mathematically over decades. Right. How have people done it? So we go, if someone's not at this point, they're not going to win. And unless there's this type of an exception, it's not possible. So right. let's stop them. And so we've brought our minimum targets up more and more and more over the years. And it, what it does is, it, is we have less bad experiences. Those right. people tried, they worked at it, they went to our trainings, they learned about, but they didn't go buy equipment, start their business, have all sorts of extra costs associated with because their business. Because you told them that maybe this isn't for them? We told them, let's stop. Let's stop because you're tracking, you're not tracking to be successful because right. you know, as a lawyer, it doesn't always work out. And, right. and the real thing that what successful entrepreneurs do in my mind is recognize when it's not going to work out and stop. Right. Well, but you know, and this gets back to knowing your numbers, knowing your yes. marketplace and knowing your performance indicators. Yes. You know what those indicators are when you're used, when you're working with a student. I mean, that's very, it's important for their success. It's important for them not going down a road that maybe isn't for them. Yes. They're not doing the right thing. I mean, it's absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's how you run a healthy business. And we're able to provide that coaching over time. Like there's this great book called the weekly coaching conversations. It was a New York times bestseller. It came out, I know four or five years ago, Brian D'Souza. And he, he, he wrote a fantastic book, but we read it and we went, wow, this is actually how we run our business. So okay. many of the themes that he uses, right. so many of the, you know, like um, right now in business these days, so many businesses are so metric focused 
What, how many calls did you make? How many conversions did you have? And all those things are good, but what are they doing around coaching them? What are they doing around actually learning how to make the calls better? Right. Learning how to encourage No, because them. they just think from a corporate standpoint, if there's enough numbers, yes, eventually we'll hit the numbers. We don't care what happens to the people. And it's yes. not, yeah, and com- companies shouldn't really operate that way. Right. Yes. It should operate Ex- as if the people matter. Yes, exactly. Ex- that's exactly it. Right. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you're just replacing them with new bodies. And, yeah. and companies have failed because big sales organizations have failed because of the fact that that affects their culture. Yes, supportive of each other, right? I mean, you must have people that are all cheering on. Yes, everybody and their success, right? One hundred percent. And and one of the one of the things that our CRM uh, has basically lists all of our operators by their number, so they're able to see. Oh wow, I want to now move from number thirty to number twenty five. I want to, and we have all sorts of targets and incentives and programs that all successful sales oriented customer companies do. But again, it's it's both. The metrics matter, but the people matter most. And the people's learning is the most important part. Right. Well, it's their ability to meet those metrics. I mean, when it comes to that's exactly it. And you're right. I mean, there look, I think one of the problems with the perception of sales in general, at least in the United States, is that people look at sales and they think sales is trying to some way, some underhanded way to convince somebody to buy your product or service. And that's not what sales is sales is the process of educating a person figuring out if what you have they need and truly helping them yeah. make a decision that is in their that is in their best interest but if you don't get involved like you said with the salesperson helping them with the psychology of it helping them with the the things and saying listen you can do this and be comfortable as to how you do it yeah it doesn't right you don't have to be the cold call person and then you know, at night you're so nauseous from every the experience that you have. It's terrifying to you. I know people like that have gone through stuff. Like I remember, I started in the insurance business when I got out of law school. My dad's been in the insurance business, longtime salesman. He's a great salesman, and insurance, life insurance specifically, is very hard to sell. Right? Yeah. Nobody wants it. It's not tangible. It's yes. not like oh, we're going to change the color of your house. Your house will be beautiful. Nobody wants it unless they're going to die, and then yes. you can't get it for them. So it's a very right. It's a very challenging. Business. And when I started in the business, I remember I went to New York. I was working with this agency that was worked with young people coming out of college, training them. They had a good training program. That was important to me. Yeah. I think I spent like a week with this, with the guy I started training with. And I had to make cold call. I mean, all my friends were like, they were young, had no families, whatever. I think I made 10 cold calls and I forget his name. And I said to him, that was the most horrible experience I've ever had in my life. I never want to make another cold call ever. Right. Because I feel terrible. I'm calling these people, they're hanging up, you know? And he says, well, that's the point. You're not supposed to make cold calls. And I learned about relationship prospecting. And I didn't even know what networking was in those days. Yes. And there there was no internet, all this kind of stuff. That's Um, right. Well, there was the internet. That was just after law school. It was like 92, but there wasn't. There weren't only social networks. I mean, you weren't For connecting sure. no. online, you know? Yeah. So I think that if you know the indicators and you can get people to the point where, okay, you can build your business and you can do it and feel good about it, then you're going to obviously increase their chances of success, right? Well, and the other piece as well is I love how you describe sales. Really, really powerful. And we're so aligned in there. There's another piece is, is that I really believe that people need to really ask the question, like we ask the question all the time. We'll say, who wants to be a sales rep? 
And in the past, our sales professional, hardly anyone's hand, right. maybe one or two. I don't want to be a salesman. That's like used cars and stuff yes. like that, right? And so they're they're not really identifying who are the best salespeople. And then we sort of say, well, hold on, who's the best salespeople? And then all of a sudden, they'll people will go, oh, Obama, Oprah Winfrey. Steve Jobs. They start recognizing. And start recognizing that, gee, president many times actually means best salesperson. Right. You know, VP, you know, means great salesperson. Of course. That they hide, hide really what they're doing. And really, again, it's not hiding because anybody who's talking to the vice president knows that, you know, again, they're helping you discover what, what fits or doesn't fit. Right. They're delegating. They're running an organization. I mean, the good yes. ones. Like the other ones are dictators. That's the difference, right? A dictator yes. is a person who tells you what to do, and this is the way you got to do, and that's it. I don't care how you feel, what you do. That's not a, a salesperson. No, no. Be successful, and that's just beating people up. Exactly. And then as well, you're right, you're broadening it. So it's not just sales of products or services, but also the sale of the client, of, of, of just what's the mission and values of the company, right. selling that so that we're enthusiastic. You're enthusiastic about your business because you help uh, your clients save enormous pain by setting their companies up in the correct way, by making sure they don't sign that contract that didn't make sense, by making the changes. Even also just the thinking of, oh, you're right. I should talk to my future partner about that before we do this. I have some right now. Unfortunately, they didn't. Yes, and that's now right. It's a problem. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But and I and I know as well from listening to your podcast, you really want to get out in front of it always with your clients. And again, once you start working with a lawyer, you frankly, I know certainly my experience that you never stop working with a lawyer again right. for their really, really great. To me, it's always experience. It's it's experience of what's gone wrong. Yeah. Like, and that's such, such, so, so helpful to sort of see. Well, that's the difference, right? You, I have <laughs> business owners that try and write their own customer agreements. And yeah. So this is the first time you're doing it, maybe the second. I've <laughs> drafted hundreds of contracts. Yeah. And I've looked at contracts that are terrible and blow up. And you can't expect them to think of everything that should go into a con- and they're never perfect anyway, but yeah. yeah, experience, 20 years of experience about drafting agreements definitely has a, has an impact. And on my side of the law, yeah, people hopefully work with me on an ongoing basis where they call me yes. every month and we got things going on. There's other sides of the law where, and sometimes it's me yeah. where people are coming, they're going, yeah, I gotta, I gotta close my doors. I'm like, didn't you just like open like six months ago? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, we expanded too quickly and it was winter time and we're an ice cream store. We didn't anticipate capital and this, and, that, and they don't even have a business plan. Yeah. And, you know, uh, now I'm negotiating with their landlord. I'm negotiating with the equipment company. Yeah. I'm cleaning up the mess. Yes. Best that yeah. I can. And mm-hmm. uh, that's not the position you want to be in. So I think when you get these kids when they're young, and they don't have families and they don't have a lot of, at risk and they, and they don't have a lot of capital at risk either. It's really their time, yes. right? And their yes, energy. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot to be, to be said for that. I mean, that's why I started the podcast because I was frustrated with the fact that there's a lot of people that just like accidentally fall into business. Right. And they don't even spend it. I mean, forget about whether they're lucky enough to meet someone like you. Right. They don't even spend the time going out and, you know, reading basic things like, you know, everything from the one page marketing plan to referral of a lifetime to, yeah. you know, all those types of books, Mike McCallowitz's books to, you know, to learn simple systems 
to run whatever business it is that they think should be a great idea. By the way, good ideas doesn't mean it should be a business. Well, yeah, yeah. And it's really almost always about the execution. Like, you know, one of the biggest things I always like to describe in our business is that we are in a business, window cleaning and house painting services are literally commoditized. Right. So how do you run a business in a commoditized industry? Well, you change the game. So we've changed the game in this commoditized industry. So what we've done is we are not a painting and a window cleaning business. We're a management program. So as a result, we're attracting these amazing students who would otherwise not think of working in a painting or window cleaning business, but they see, I'm going to learn systems, sales, marketing. It's a simple concept. It's not a complicated business. You guys know it very well. You're right. You could do a lot of things, but why do that? Mm-hmm. You could go out and hire your own painting contractors and run the business traditionally, right? And just have kids coming every summer. They want to make extra money. You don't have to turn them into leaders and entrepreneurs, yeah. but that's yeah. kind of contrary to your mission and what you're interested in doing. Well, well, it's actually right on the mission and it's the secret sauce because we wouldn't be able to attract these amazing kids. We wouldn't be able to scale right. the business. And then the other piece is, is that our customers want to buy over us want to choose us over other local contractors because they love the idea of su- supporting right. students. It's a great story. Yeah. So again, that's what really, you know, again, in terms of the business plan, it's, it's, it's how do we separate ourselves out from the marketplace? You right. know, for, for you, you know, again, not many lawyers have podcasts. It's a way to see yourself not. as a, as a thought leader <laughs> and yeah. separate yourself out as, Oh, Okay. I could deal with this lawyer. Oh, wow. He's he, Look at all the things that he's discovered. Look right. at all the clients he has. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're, you're doing what Mike Michalowicz calls on, eradicating entrepreneurial poverty. Yes. Because you're yes. teaching them young so they start doing it you know, the right way. And all the pieces work together because the homeowners are more endeared to do the business with them because they're yeah. students. And your model works because... You're really not running a painting company. You're running a no. management company to teach them how to run a painting company. Yeah. And it, it supports the whole organization. So how long, what's the life cycle of a, of a student that comes in? Like, what's the longest time frame a student's ever been with your company? Well, well the longest time frame, we've, we've, our former VP was, was here 20 years. Okay. Either he had trouble getting through school or he was paid significantly well. To, and now he now he runs an amazing uh, real estate business. But when you say VP, so he moved up in your company. He moved up in our organization. But but typically, and then we've had district managers who are running teams, but they they then become full timers and they get right. into six, That's seven, not eight, the student nine years. Level. I'm talking about running a team to paint houses. Yeah. Very rarely would someone ever stay longer than six years and be a, a, be a student. It's it's quite common three to four years during their university career. And one of the things that our our students identify is they say, well, look at how much money I'm making. Look at the skill development that I'm having. Why don't I stay an extra year? Why don't I wrap up my course next year and I'll do one more season and I'll I'll put a whole bunch more money in my pocket. A lot of times as well, they because of doing this, they look at a corporate career and they see, wow, I've already made what the typical corporate job is for the first few years now, right? why would I want to go there so, so that they, they're already thinking more entrepreneurially? So, of course. So, you know, do I start to develop in real estate? Do I start to develop 
another business? Am I, and while I'm doing this, am I going to start another business on the side? Yeah. And just test that out. That, that maybe complements what they're doing, right? Yeah. And we actually, our district managers actually support those. Like we support those. It's like, hey, that's great. Of course you want to run that. Like our goal, our mission is to create a thousand millionaires. So a lot of companies, when you're doing that sort of thing, they get threatened. Yeah. They're, they're upset. What do you mean? You got to be hundred percent here. Business, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. As you know, we, we want to encourage that. Right. No, the abundance theory is a good theory. Yes. And yeah. I'm sure you do it from a standpoint of, if you think that that's going to hurt what they're trying to accomplish over here, then you'll have a discussion with them about it. Right. We certainly would. And, and more like, especially it would be in their first year, we'd say, hold on. It's really difficult. This is full on. But once people start getting in their second and third year, it's like, oh yeah, I can separate out this time. Yeah. I can use more leverage. And it, especially again, if it's something that someone's really doing, one of the things that we do find is typically again, in their first, second, third year, they're usually really dialed in because you know, we'll see our, our second year operators literally double in business. Right. Cause they've gotten used to it. They're better at it and they're running full speed now. But, but it really, one of the things I'm most proud of Mitch is we used to have people regularly tell us I learned more this year than any time in my life in their first year. I'm sure it would rarely happen. Now we're regularly getting it happen where people are saying that in their second year, in their third year. And the reason is because the scale of their business is jumping up. Then right. all of a sudden I've got three other leaders I'm managing who are managing right, they're learning people. more skills. Yeah. Yeah. And really, really changing their thinking. Yeah. And, and how they're running their business. So do, have more of your students gone on to other entrepreneurial ventures or would you say, or have more of them gone to, into corporate Corporate corporation, corporate yeah, corporation, and and but actually, a lot of our we've had a lot of successful Canadians go down to the United States because obviously the United States economy is incredible. Yeah. Now they got to stay here; they can't get back in until coronavirus yeah. passes. That's that's exactly <laughs> it. But but so you know, I think there's a lot of of entrepreneurialism. Like there really is a lot to be said for working in a large firm. Yeah, really excelling like an entrepreneur, being in the results economy, really creating value that are very, very present for big firms to say, this person's a rock star, you know, let's have them run a division. Let's have them right. do this, you know, and, and, and really that we can, they can really distinguish the success that they have. Right. Absolutely. I find that it's, uh, I mean, if it's a process that can allow a student to shine and really develop his skills, I mean, I gotta, I can't imagine you have too many bad stories afterward, you know, people going on to whatever they're going on to. I mean, you, 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 you set up the criteria. So you're selecting yes. the, the proper kids. Let's call them not the yeah. best of the best, but the kids yeah. that have those 100%. traits, right. To, yeah. to make them successful because you can't unfortunately make everyone's. No. One of the things I always like to say is, is for sure we rig it. It's kind of like private schools. Like if you look at private schools, what do they do? They take the, the best kids or, the, you know, they, they only take the best kids from the best families who are already well-connected. And then they later on say, oh, look at look at how well they did. And they got into these amazing schools. And later on, they did this. Right, but they had a, they had a selection process. Absolutely. So we've done the same thing and we continue to do it. And we, we get more and more rigorous about our selection, uh, uh, you know, process right. uh, that makes all the difference. And then the other piece that we've done really well is, Right now, I think we have about 70 
alumni testimonials. And that's one of the things that I set up my podcast for was every week I'll interview and another amazing alumni, and then I'll also have them come do a testimonial. Right. And yeah, and I've so, seen on the website, there's a lot of testimonials on studentworks.com and yes. you can get the podcast that way too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is, uh, well, you just made me think of something. How you said you have how many operators right now on average? Well, we, we expect that we'll be over 200 this coming summer that we'll is, have. Operates. Is that a big jump from? We'll, we'll have our best year ever. We expect to be over $17 million worth of business this coming season. Right. Okay. So you have about 200 operators. So do you remember, can we share some stories without embarrassing anybody about some kids that were, you know, spectacular performers and things? Absolutely. Well, just, just this, just, um, and, and without sharing, stories. without sharing names, cause I'm not sure if I can, but just <laughs> one of our former operators, we, we recruited him at a McMaster university, probably 18, 20 years ago. He uh, went down to the United States and is running a business out of Florida. And he was just offered uh, seven figures, multiple seven figures to go buy a business. And so a couple of things, that's really great. One of the other things that's really great is he called me, asked for a half hour of my time just to talk about it and just to sort of, you know, again, not walk through the legals, work through the, the pragmatic business. Right. What, what have you experienced? What would you see about either accepting or turning down the deal? And, uh, you know, I was really, really touched in it. And it I'm certainly... Sure motivates me to sort of keep working to sort of make such a difference. A lot of your kids stay in touch with you? A lot of them do. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's really so much easier now with with all the ways to connect right, through LinkedIn and Facebook groups. And yeah. and uh, so it's really been great. Yeah. There's a Facebook group for the kids, for the students? Yes. Yeah. But one of the things as well that'll happen, like we just had one of our operators, uh, again, very successful operator, Rob Friday, get married this just this summer. You know, with the numbers, it raised to a hundred, and you know that we're able for COVID, and they right, separated. The number went up, but yeah. there were like a dozen of our alumni there, or something like that, like six to eight. Like so, so it's how tight that group is. Yeah, you know, they're they're tight, they're friends, and that's what really continues on is is meeting people who are really like minded is a really really amazing thing, and then they 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 stay friends, which is really powerful. And you're building a community is really what it yes, comes down to. Yes, that's exactly know? it. Yeah. People that are like-minded. Yes, that's right. Hey, leaders. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. What kind of advice do you give to people? So if there's people out there listening, they're not, they may be students, they may be in the United States, so they can't participate yes, in your program. For right? sure. Um, what kind of advice do you have from things that you've seen with the kids? If you're getting started in a business, even if you're not a student, you know, you're yeah. in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 
kind of advice do you have in general that you tell these kids yeah. to be increase their chances of success, let's say? See, Mitch, to me, the most important thing to focus on is integrity. And, and I don't mean, although it's really important, integrity and not breaking the law. What I mean by integrity is when you say you're going to do something, are you going to do it? So ultimately, life in the world comes from when Chris Thompson says, I'm going to do something, no one else knows, will I do it? No one else knows. It's in, in those private moments. So when my, one of the examples I love to give is when your alarm goes off, right. do you hit snooze? Right. Because if you do, in my mind, in my world, I just missed my first commitment of the day. Right. I made a commitment. Now why'd you set the alarm for that time? That's right. I, I set the alarm this morning for 640. I guess I woke right. up at 638. I looked, I go, oh, I'll turn it off. I'm getting up. But at 640, I was definitely going to get up. Right. And so then it starts like, and, and because I've got conference call and this and meetings. And, and so if all of a sudden you're late, then you're running the like the entire well. day. Right. They call that what self-obedience, right? If you're not obedient yeah, self -obedience. to yourself. Yeah. So for me, if I'm a leader in the United States, anywhere uh, in Canada, I'm, I'm looking at getting better and better at when I say I'm going to go to the gym, go to the gym. When right. I say I'm going to call mom, call mom, whatever it is, like right. I'm committing. And then as a result, then I can do more outside to, to other people. Right. I think that's a good comment because if you, if you want to be a high performer and you want to work at a high level. You start your whole day off by 10 minutes and the whole thing, you're playing catch up all day and you can't expect yes. spectacular yeah. results if you're just doing mediocre, making mediocre effort. Yeah. And there's just power to keeping your word in your life. Yeah. Right. Just, I'm just, hey, I am my word. And that's one of the biggest things we focus on on our program. And that's also one of the, the, the so the next, the next thing I would link to quick, very closely is habits. Uh -huh. What are your habits? If right. your habit is to sit on the couch and drink beer every night, probably not going to be too successful. In the yeah. Program. Yeah. Nothing yeah. wrong with drinking beer. You know, that's I, you fine. Know, and it's not for you to be an entrepreneur, but every night and lots of beer that becomes misaligned with the goals. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you can look at the characteristics of high performers that are, you know, they're, they're there early. They stay late. They're working long hours or maybe not even working long hours, but they're very efficient with their time. You know, they're keeping their schedules. They have systems in place. Yeah. They're being and, very thoughtful, right? You're right. The, 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 the gentleman you've had on a number of times just recently, you know, very thoughtful, very strategic in what they're thinking about what processes they're going to set up to run their business, to support their business. Right. You know, that's, yeah. that's something that's really important. Yeah. I think maybe the kids start to see that if they do it more than once, they do it several times and they do that all summer. Next thing you know, it's kind of like a natural habit for them at that point, right? And that's what we're looking for. Yeah, right. exactly. It changes the way they act. Yeah, they act. And, and, and for you in your life, I'm sure, again, you're just consistently showing up like Mitch every day, and that leads to a, a high level of success. And again, if my behavior starts to shift, then my success will shift. Simple yeah, there's as no that. question about it. That's one of the problems is that when you talk about falling into business accidentally, a lot of people, they don't have that muscle that they've exercised and worked out. And look, I'm, a, I'm now a solo practitioner. I run my own practice. So if I'm yeah. not on top of when I do what I do, keeping my calendar, keeping my commitments, getting things back to people, nobody else is going to do it. And there's not a lot of yes. attorneys that can do that. So that's why they go to work for a law firm or something like that, because they need to know that they're coming into work. Somebody's turning the lights on, yeah. do their work. 
they get the next one, you know, and, yeah. and they're not, you know, it does take a certain kind of person to be able to be an entrepreneur and run a, a business, whether it's yeah. a simple business or whether it's a complicated business, because they all involve books, marketing, management, yeah. decision making, and being honest and supportive of yourself. Don't self-sabotage, which a lot of people do, you know, it's they very do. easy, especially during coronavirus, very easy to fall off the wagon, so to yeah. speak. And that's another thing though, is, is the self-sabotaging, you know, one of the things that we have, and we really train our coaches really, really well to actually deal with what's happening outside the business. So, you know, where are you self-sabotaging and where else right. is that showing up in your world? And, and what, what can we do to change that? And, and really about self-sabotage, the biggest thing is, is really understanding the impact of self-sabotaging, yep. understanding the impact of being out of communication or, or being out of action and how harmful that can be for you. Right. And so as a result, I'm going to change. I'm going to change my behavior and I'm not going to do that. Right. But it's a, a lot of times it's, it's, it's hard for people to see that without a coach. And that's one of the great things about, again, at a young age, having a coach, seeing that, yep. you know, you'll never, you know, like, again, I, I, you know, of course, I'm not always in integrity. I'm not always doing what I say. But when I don't do what I say, it's conscious. Well, that's the thing. You're conscious of it. A lot of people walk through life and they're totally unconscious about yeah. everything that they're doing. Yeah. You, you know, don't show up on time. They never even consider it. No. Right. No. Yeah. It's funny because all the people that I've interviewed in all kinds of different fields, you know, they're coaches, they're habit scientists, they're, yeah. they're business owners, whatever. 90% of the time, it's consciousness. It's a level of, of doing things consciously and realizing that, you know, the reason you're not doing it is because you're afraid and it's not that big of a deal. So you realize that that's not that, and you do it and it's not yeah. so bad, you know, that type of stuff. Yes. Or, you know, you shouldn't be, why are you pressing your snooze for? 23 times every morning. Just get up yes. and do it. You do it enough, you'll feel good about it. You know, go yeah. to bed a half an hour earlier. I, I know that sounds easy to say, but sometimes we got to push through the difficulty stuff because we're we're always as human beings, we're very easy to fall back into the easy, yes, easy way. The the snacks instead of the good food that tastes better and is <laughs> yes. you know, eat drinking beer on the couch. You know, that's yeah, very easy. Well, principles talks about first and second order consequences, right? It's so much easier to eat the chocolate because it tastes good. But the second order consequences is I become fat and then I become lethargic and then I make worse and worse decisions, you know, where, and again, there's nothing wrong with chocolate, but too much chocolate gets me on the wrong road. So it's, and the first order consequences are, oh, I've got to go call that client. It may be an uncomfortable situation. I don't want to do that. But the second order consequences is I resolve that quickly. They give me referral work. Right. That client works out. They're a long-term client of mine, right? And that's the second order consequences. And my capital in my business builds up. My success builds up. My self-regard builds up, right? So it's funny how, how in the world, almost always the first order consequences, the, the first choice is the hard one. It's right. easy to choose if it's bad, right? Yeah. Oh, I feel like a chocolate bar or whatever, right. or, you know, or a drink. And then it's, it's it, the opposite, right? I tell my kids, if it tastes good, it's probably not good for you. That's the, <laughs> that's the rule. It doesn't mean you shouldn't ever have it. Of but course. It's probably no. not good for you. You know, I think also when it comes to dealing with people and making business decisions, usually it's not as whatever we think the negative consequences are going to be, nine times out of 10, they're not true. Oh, definitely. 
Yes. You know, well, and you learn that after a while, it's all just in your head most of the time. Yeah, you're making it up. Oh my God, this conversation is going to be so challenging when in fact, it's not challenging at all. Wow, that was great. And I discovered this and they were, and again, maybe one of the things I'm worried about is, is that I didn't do what I say. Well, I call, I say, I said, I was going to get this done for you, Mitch. I apologize. I take ownership. I should have. And they go, oh, wow, that's really great. Okay. When can you do it for me? Oh, I'll do it here. I'm going to separate it some time today. It'll be by the end of the day. And you go, oh, that's easy. Right. Exactly. Just give people a chance. Yeah. Any parting words? Any thoughts? Well, actually, I had a question for you. And okay. it's one of the, the the standard questions that I ask all my guests. And I know this is a joint joint show. So when you think of a leader of tomorrow, right? What comes to mind? When I think of a leader, I think of somebody who is compassionate and understanding of others. Somebody who, uh, and I, we just had a whole thing on leadership on a, another pot. It was like a video podcast, me and another guy and the woman who runs it. It was all about thought leadership and, and being a leader. I think that a good leader is not the kind of person that tells people what to do, yeah. but helps them make decisions with proper information and understand the consequences of those decisions. The, the leader doesn't have to be the person that's driving everything. They're not responsible for everything that goes on. They got to guide people. That's the difference. Like I said before, being a dictator, yeah. somebody who dictates what's going to happen and somebody who says, okay, if that's what you want to do, let's talk about what the consequences could be. Here's the problems. Here's the good, the good side of it, the bad side of it, and help them make a better decision just as a salesperson would do. So I think from a standpoint of um, you know, being a leader and leading people, you, you can make better decisions by helping people or be a better leader by helping people make those decisions as opposed to taking over. I find that sometimes people think they're the leader of the organization. They got to do everything themselves. Yeah. That's not, that's not, I mean, you teach people to manage other people. They're not going to go and paint all the houses themselves. That's no. ridiculous. Yeah. You can't do $200,000 of business and paint the houses yourself. That's a little hard. Absolutely. And one of the things we always, we always love to sort of get is, is really, if you think about the best salespeople, the best coaches, they ask six times more questions. They're, they're helping people. And then if, if someone tells me something, it never works as well as if I discover it. Oh, it's like people can see so-and-so struggling in this area. It won't work to tell them that right. that person needs to discover oh, that's why it's not working. And right. it's like a whole other part of the brain, like t -t 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 everything sort of comes into line right. uh, with that. And that's what great coaches do. That's what great leaders do in my mind. Right, because if you don't come to, it's like with your kids, right? If you can't get them to believe that it was their thought or their decision, they probably won't follow it because it <laughs> came from you. So people don't just do things, you just tell them, oh, of you course want to not. do that and they just leave and it's all fixed. Absolutely. got to make them come to that. And you're right, that's what a good, a good leader does when it comes to guiding people along, along the way. And I hope, and this is a little bit of a worldly type of thing, but I hope yes. that the, our leaders, because like in the United States, there may be a change in, in management, so to speak, in the next <laughs> couple of months. I hope that the leaders of our governments and our organizations and our corporations keep that in mind that we need yeah. to kind of, you know, and we need to be transparent and honest with people. Yeah think that we're not. And I think a good leader is honest when it comes to saying, okay, you know what? This is not going to be good. Yeah. This decision or this change in the economy or this change is not yeah. good. And we need to pivot and we need to, it doesn't yeah. mean we can't solve it, but let's, you know, let's deal with it head on. So I think here's what's it. true. Yeah. Here's yeah. what's true about the, the, what we're facing. I agree right. completely. Yeah. Absolutely. 
All right. So we have to stay in touch because I want to yes. learn all about your kids and how they're doing it. Maybe if you have some kids that are went on to other businesses, they want to be interviewed, send them my way. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll, let's get this out as a dual episode. We'll have to decide when it's going out. Fantastic. Um, and let's put all of our links in the show notes and we will work it from there. Well, Mitch, this has been fantastic. Absolutely, First ever Chris. joint podcast like this. And I love it. It was yeah. wonderful. I thought it would be when we spoke. A lot of people have asked me to do it. This is the first time I've done like a joint <laughs> episode. So it's, it's great stuff. Great talking to you, Chris. Okay. Thanks so much. You have a fantastic day. We'll stay in touch. You too. Okay. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.